This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I'm speaking with Juliana Fetterman, who is the uh, founder of or developer, I'm not sure how you refer to yourself, Juliana, of Making Authentic Friendships, which is an app, I believe, kind of inspired by uh, your brother and some personal experiences that you've had um, with him as he is on the autism spectrum. So, Juliana, welcome. Good morning. And I am looking forward to hearing about Making Authentic Friendships. Good morning. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm definitely not the developer, but I am the founder. <laughs> okay. Um, I Everything conceptual, obviously, is my vision, my idea, but the whole coding thing, not for me, so I do outsource that part. Okay, so tell us a little bit about, um, take us all the way back to the beginning before the app was available and, and really what got you started along this path. So, as you mentioned, my brother Michael has autism and ADHD, and he is 10 years younger than me. He's going to be 22 this week. Um, And I was in college at Sacred Heart University, and I was the president of the autism club at the time, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but I loved being the president of the autism club. So, I started thinking, well, if I can make a business around, you know, autism and helping my brother and ultimately I could be the president of the autism club in the real world, which is how it all kind of started. And then once I started thinking through things that were missing from my brother, one of the first things that came up was, you know, the loneliness he faces and um, Mm -hmm. wanting friends and wanting that connection and seeing me always having plans and doing things and him not so much. So, you know, I thought that was really good. I ran with it right away and... That's when Making Authentic Friendships was born, Um, and I always knew right from the start I wanted to do an app or, you know, something with technology just because, obviously, the way of the world is that, and I knew that would be the most sustainable uh, thing moving forward, as well as the best way to connect, you know, people from not only near us, but also far away from us. Um, Mm -hmm. So I spent the last four years pretty much doing that. I didn't actually put a product out until a year ago. We put out a web app, um, which is ultimately, you know, does everything the app's going to do, but it's a website. And, you know, today we are serve 2,000 users in all 50 states and 23 countries and six continents. So, Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, let me, let me, I know we're, we're definitely going to get into, you know, well, first of all, let's throw out the website since it's a, since it's a web app, let's pepper that out through the, the discussion. So where do people go to find uh, Making Authentic Friendships? So right now you can find it at makingauthenticfriendships.com um, or on any of our social medias at Making Authentic Friendships. It's obviously linked all there. As well. Okay. All right. So, makingauthenticfriendships.com and uh, every all social media outlets, just search that and you'll find it. That's great. So, um, I want to take you back, though, to the beginning of your story where you said that um, 
you were you were in college. Um, I know both you and, and Michael are in your 20s, so this is all relatively new. But you were in college at Sacred Heart. You were the president of the Autism Club. Um, when I go on your website, I see that not only are you talking about the app, but it's also, I, I'm going to quote this, I am passionate about bettering the lives with those with autism and other special needs and plan to dedicate my entire life to doing so. So when you write something like that, that makes me think that this has been a part of kind of who you are since before becoming president of the Autism Club and obviously moving into making authentic friendships. So, like, where, I mean, were you highly affected by growing up with Michael? And you had said before that you kind of noticed that you had a lot to do socially. He didn't as much. But, like, back when you were younger, have you, can you describe some of the ways that you feel sort of led you into the Autism Club at Sacred Heart, which I'd also like you to talk a little bit about what that club does and why it's an important part of campus life, and then, of course, becoming the president of it. So kind of take us back to how this relationship with your brother and maybe um, other people on the autism spectrum or what other special needs have affected you personally. I mean, obviously, it's very deep-rooted for me, and growing up with my brother, it's always been super prevalent that, you know, he has special like struggles and whatnot, you know, being the older sister, I since we were little, like during quarantine, me and my mom went through all the photo albums and stuff. And even when like the day they brought him home, I was obsessed with him. And in all the pictures, I'm like sitting by him, like sitting next to his carrier, like hugging him in every picture. Um, So I think even before I was able to like actually know um, that something was different about him, I just knew. So yeah, my whole life's been like that. And obviously then as I got older and started to realize um, that he was different and see the needs and see how it affected our lives, um, I had to play mom pretty much and help my parents out so much. And it just made me mature really fast and... You know, it obviously has its struggles, but it has given me all of my best attributes, you know, so much patience and kindness and understanding toward other people's situations and people with differences. So I'm so thankful for that. And I think it's just made me a great person. And I credit all of that to living with my brother. Okay. All right. Thank you for filling in some of those gaps. That sounds like a definitely a special bond and one that I think um, is probably appreciated and shared by many siblings of people on the spectrum. Um, I've certainly talked to a lot of brothers and sisters of folks here at Anderson and also throughout the the this, the country really. Um, and and the themes seem to be a lot of sort of caretaking and kind of what you mentioned before that there was this this sense before there was fact. Um, that there was a reason, that there was something going on. And, you know, um, I think from speaking with parents and grandparents and then also siblings, the experience, there's a lot of shared experience and there's some very specific, unique aspects to being um, the sibling of somebody on the spectrum. So I appreciate you sharing um, sharing that. So, so then take us forward to you went to college. W- was there an autism club when you got there? Did you join this organization or did you start it? Yes, there was one. Um, I did something called Community Connections right when I went to college. And, you know, you go a week early and do all this volunteer work. And my mentor through that told me about the club and, you know, said, oh, my God, I could so see you being like the president of that one day. And ever since she said that, I was like, yeah. So then (laughs) I kind of made it my goal to do that. So obviously I joined the club right away, but I realized that it was, 
you know, really small, didn't really do that much at the time. So I just, you know, joined, became involved, obviously worked my way up. And then by my junior year, I was the president. And Mm. yeah, I loved it. And I turned it into, you know, one of the biggest clubs on campus. Um, which is nice because I was the captain of the cheer team as well. So I was able to, you know, use my other connections. And so, you know, I did a lot of work to grow it and, you know, make it what it was. And that's awesome. That's obviously something to be really proud of. I guess what I'm also looking for, because I, whenever I hear about a club um, or an opportunity for young people to get involved in advocacy or support or just become more knowledgeable about autism in general, I get excited because um, I think these are the kinds of things that other people should know about. So can you give us some examples of some of the activities or the specific impacts that this club had or is maybe still having? Yeah. What what would be a normal club, you know, sort of focus? Were you raising money? Were you raising awareness? Were you doing both? Yeah, it was definitely both um, raising awareness on campus through not only events, but we would have, like, table times, they call them. So, like, in the main hallway, we would be not only raising, like, money, but we would also be handing out flyers or, um, you know, talking about people with autism, how they might act, you know, just so that people Mm -hmm. can be kind of educated on that. Um, And also, we would obviously have events, so we would have a walk every year, a charity kickball tournament, um, and other things. We had a -a puzzle-a-thon one year where we, people would pay to decorate a puzzle piece, and then we made a huge puzzle on the quad. So, yeah, we just did stuff like that, and like I said, I was really able to use my reach through other things to kind of really raise awareness on campus through, like, sports and other clubs and everything, so... I'm really okay, and that. so now that you've graduated, does the club continue? Are you do you stay connected to them at all? Do you know if they're if they're continuing to um, to be successful? Yes, the club continues. Obviously, you know, not many people have the passion I have to do what I did with it. So I think it has slowed down a bit, but you know, it still is intact and doing their thing. So <laughs> glad for that at least. Good. All right, so just a shout-out about, you know, if you're in school right now, if any of our listeners are in school or families have a graduate who's maybe going to college in the fall, keep in mind that these types of university and college um, clubs are a great way to engage a younger generation in becoming knowledgeable, aware, invested, and... and um, to develop, you know, that community understanding, uh, broader understanding that we're all, I think, looking for within our, our whole society. So so take the initiative from Juliana here and, and consider either joining or enhancing or even starting a club with a focus on autism awareness. Great idea. Okay, so we're going to take a short break. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Blazinski, and we'll be right back. Hey, Hudson Valley, a movement's taking shape to optimize the quality of life for people with autism, and you can be a part of it. Thanks to the Think Differently initiative, Anderson Center for Autism has trained over 100 businesses and organizations to become autism-supportive environments. Duchess is the first of its kind autism-supportive county, and the village of Rhinebeck, the first autism-supportive community. Get your group the training needed to make a heartwarming impact on countless lives. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org. 
Welcome back to 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozinski, and I'm speaking today with Juliana Featherman, who is the founder of Making Authentic Friendships, uh, which you can find at makingauthenticfriendships.com and also on all social media channels at Making Authentic Friendships. Uh, Juliana, welcome back, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Okay, great. So so we spent the first part of the show kind of talking about your background and how you became so involved and so impactful, impressively impactful with um, being the president of the Autism Club at Sacred Heart University, kind of where your passion for having a, a focus and an impact in the autism community based on growing up with your brother who is on the autism spectrum, where that kind of came from. And um, now I think we should devote a, quite a bit of time to you talking us through the app itself. You mentioned earlier that this was the concept kind of came to you pretty quickly because of the recognition of how challenging it can be for people on the autism spectrum to connect with other people socially, right, in the same way that you were used to, um, maybe growing up with your friends and then going to college and having those connections. So um, so bring us to the next part, like what needed to become part of this app in your mind? Why, um, you know, how does it work? So basically, from the time that I thought of the concept, um, you know, I wrote a business plan right away. I kind of sketched out what I wanted everything to look like. And from then, four years ago to date, it pretty much stands almost exactly the way I had envisioned it, obviously with a few changes. but So I envisioned it being, obviously, we're matching people based on their age, diagnosis, interest, and location. So, like, as we built the database, so the first year that we've been launched, I've been focusing more on chatting. But, so, yeah, the first year we really focused on chatting, um, but in the future we do plan to focus on actual meetups. Um, okay. So that's obviously why we use location. And people get concerned because they think that we use their actual, like, exact location, and that's not the case. We use a general location. So you put your zip code and it drops you within, like, a 30-mile radius within your zip code. So, yeah, that just gets rid of that concern. And we're asking your diagnosis so that you can hopefully meet other people with a similar or same diagnosis. Um, We do list about 16 right now, so we don't only serve autism, although it's something I talk about a lot, obviously, because my brother. um, We do serve any physical or intellectual special need. And, you know, that's Down syndrome, CP, spinal bifida, uh, hearing impairment, sight impairment, to name a few. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, anything that makes you feel isolated, pretty much. And then we are going to ask you your interests. So, you know, again, everything on the on the web app is uh, drop-down. We don't want it to be hard to use, so we don't have any, like, type-ins, really. It's just more drop-down menus. So it's general interest, sports, movies, TV, you know, whatever the case may be. And then we're asking your age, obviously. We want you have to be 13 or older to have a profile of your own. Okay. Um, if, if you're younger than 13, a parent can sign up on their behalf and, you know, then talk with other parents, make a play date type thing. But due to oh, child cool. protective laws, um, mm-hmm. you have to be 13 to have your own profile. And we do have a wide array of ages. Um, obviously, we have people under 13. Their parents are running it for them. We have a lot in, like, their teens, 18 to 20s. Um, but we even do have, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s because, I mean, I know this right now better than ever because my brother just aged out of the district uh, last year, 
that once you get into adulthood, it's even harder to connect yeah. with people and, you know. So um, I think it's very necessary. And within, so once you go through all that, at the last step, you're going to create an avatar that looks like yourself. So that's the one thing that's changed since the beginning. I kind of pivoted because I wanted it to be more like a game. So now you make an avatar that looks like yourself. It's a lot like a bit moji, uh, picking the hair color, skin color, clothing, and then you see the map. And on the map, you'll see friend matches. The, the algorithm of the web app is meant to actually match you with people who we think you'd be a good match with. But again, as we're building the databases, we're just kind of showing everyone. Well, first we were showing everyone in the whole country, but now as we've gotten bigger, we show people within a 30-mile radius of you. Um, and in, like, New York or areas that are more dense, you're going to see people within a 30-mile radius, but, you know, in, like, some other states, you might not. So then there's a button that says load more friends. You just click that, and every time you click it, it opens up the range by 30 miles so that, you know, you can find people that are further away. So at this point in time... It's your discretion to decide who you want to chat with at that point. And then within the actual chat, there's conversation prompts built in. So that's just giving you suggestions on how to make and keep conversation, which I know for my brother is one of his biggest struggles, and I know that's common uh, for people mm -hmm. with special needs. So, again, it's just going to give you a suggestion on what to say. You don't have to use it. But it's like underneath the little chat, it says, you know, what did you do today? How are you? Whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And then as we get more into the transition to the actual app, we want those conversation prompts to be specific to their interests or and specific to time. So if they match on their interests of sports, then the conversation prompts would be like, what's your favorite team? Who's your favorite player? Um, and even specific to, you know, if the World Series is coming up or the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, there's really cool. I mean, that's my favorite part of it. But there's definitely mm -hmm. really cool room for growth on that and the more you use it the more coins you earn and then the coins can be used to buy things for your avatar and that's the whole rundown <laughs> so it really is kind of a combination of of a, i don't know like a match app but i understand that it's you know it's a focus on social connectivity not necessarily romantic con connections although i would assume that some you know just naturally some of that might um develop over time if somebody makes a really strong connection with somebody else but and then the game aspect where yeah that's i i have two children and I, those coins like <laughs> dream about them in my sleep um, mm -hmm. in terms of what you can do. But that also probably, I would think that the, that allows for the users to then more personalize their avatar, right? So is there, there's a, is there a good range of, of options in terms of what you can do to your avatar once you've created it? I mean, for right now on the web app, it's kind of limited. Um, mm -hmm. But as for when we go over to the actual app, which will hopefully be soon, Again, that's something we want to really grow with is obviously more options and, you know, more earning more coins, getting you cooler things, um, and really making it a much cooler experience. But I'm trying not to put too much money into the web app because um, I'm trying to get investment for the actual app. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. I mean, I've done a lot of work over the past year, pretty much on a monthly basis, making changes to it, making it better. But at this point, I'm really trying to not just because I'm trying to save everything to make the transition over. Um, right. 
so yeah, that's pretty much where we're at. That's great. That's really exciting. Um, what is the feedback that you're getting from the users? And is it, is it varied or is it overwhelmingly this, you know, very similar themes? I mean, it's pretty much all the same. I mean, I'm very fortunate because from the start, I pretty much proved concept from, like, when I thought of the idea before I actually did anything with it through social media. So I started building a following specifically on Instagram around the idea, trying to get proof of concept and... To this day, you know, that stands, and I have a pretty big community on Instagram, 13,000 people I have, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's mostly made up of parents, caregivers, providers, and then individuals themselves. So it's become a really great community for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I really use that as feedback, and, you know, people talk to me personally, they message me, whatever. But on the app as well, obviously, they can rate it, leave reviews, all that. So we have, like, 4.2 out of 5 stars right now, and it's overwhelmingly, like, we have, like, 45-star reviews and, like, 4, like, less than that. So it definitely is mostly positive, but, of course, people, you know, have their feedback, um, which I appreciate, and a lot of the time, feedback from people can help me make changes and maybe in things I didn't see needed to be changed, Mm -hmm. which is great. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of pushback I get is around safety. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Okay, so go ahead. So, yeah, that's, like, the main issue that people usually have. And the reason why it took me three years to put out a product is mainly that. Um, I went through so many different trials of things we could do to keep our users safe, which, of course, is our number one concern as well. We looked at background checks, but you need a social security number, and no one would do that. I mean, my parents wouldn't. Um, We looked at interviewing, but it's not sustainable even now with thousands of users. Plus, it's easy to lie, pretty much. And we looked at, you know, prescription checks, but then we're going to have to get into HIPAA, which is something, a whole other story. Um, So what we came to, which is working really well for us, is obviously you have to sign terms and conditions to make a profile. Uh, But then once you're in the app, uh, we monitor the chats from the back end. Mm -hmm. You can't even type any bad or inappropriate words or phrases. It won't even let you. But if something does get through, it gets flagged in our system. We can then pull Mm -hmm. those conversations, look at them, whatever, see if, you know, what's going on. And then any user also has the ability to report another user right in the chat. The big mm-hmm. red button. So if anyone ever feels, you know, uncomfortable or threatened in any way, they report the other user. And again, we pull those conversations, look at what's going on, and then decide whether that would warrant a warning or a ban. And in right. fear of being, um, you know, out, we've only banned one person, which in my eyes is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think people probably appreciate just the, the fact that you're taking seriously the, the concern and doing something about it. Um, Juliana, we have to finish up. I just, um, I, from what you're describing, I would really just encourage everybody listening to check out makingauthenticfriendships.com or go on social media. Um, obviously, join you can join 13,000 other people who are following on um, Instagram. Uh, but it really sounds like quite a quite an exciting step and in, in a great direction to help 
people with autism and, of course, other special needs to form connections um, nearby and also throughout the world, which is really using technology to impact that accessibility in a beautiful way. So it's been a pleasure talking to you, Juliana Featherman. Again, makingauthenticfriendships.com. Good luck in your future plan. I know the next part is to turn it into go from a web app to a a full um, app, and I wish you the best of luck with that because it sounds like it'll impact even more people in that way. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the time. All right, wonderful. MakingAuthenticFriendships.com. Thank you, Juliana Featherman. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 